DeSanto Propane is four generations strong as a trustworthy family-owned business with unmatched customer service. Go online at DeSantoPropane.com for more info or call toll-free at 1-800-752-4574. Since 1937, the difference has been DeSanto Propane. Welcome in to Fresh Takes with Russo and Felice. Paul Russo and alongside me, as always, Nick Felice. Nick, uh, time, of another change of the season, as I call it. Um, it's cold again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's not quite what I mean. Football over. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I know some people call it the entry into the dark times because – it's basketball and hockey, but baseball's firing up. NASCAR's firing up, so we got a lot to talk about. But we'll recap the Super Bowl first. Uh, but uh, good to see you. Been a couple yeah. of days. Last time I saw you, uh, we were wondering why Nicole Hardman said he blacked out in a very big moment. Yes. <laughs> Happy Valentine's Day. Uh, yeah. Happy yeah. pictures and catches before. Uh, yeah, luckily, as a sports junkie like we are, you never have an off season. No. Some people who are just diehard football fans, yeah, this is a terrible time for them. Got a long stretch to the Sunday football again. Right. But the great thing about being a sports junkie is it just keeps going. Yeah. Next sport's up, tech takes center stage, and yeah, that right now is basketball and hockey. So yeah, let's, eventually, you know. Yeah, let's let's get in, let's get into that recap though first. Super Bowl Chiefs coming away in overtime. The so the second longest, seventh longest, some sort of longest game in NFL history period. Uh, pretty much went to the depths of overtime yeah. in order to get it done. Um, let's start, though, here. The Chiefs, as we kind of talked a little bit about last week, I said it on here, the FC had the opportunity to knock them down, and they didn't. They go back-to-back, first since the Patriots to do so. Mm-hmm. You can tell where I'm going with this a little bit. And I think the worry that fans had of, you know, is this dynasty either in the making or already happening, we are now, no matter what, we're in the house of it. There's no other way around it. Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs have officially taken that threshold from the Brady and Patriots era, and I think don't have a problem firmly supplanting and saying we are within the Chiefs and Mahomes era of the NFL. You can even go three people deep. It could be the Mahomes, Reed, Kelsey era. Yeah. Compared to the Brady, I know Gronk wasn't there for all of them, but Brady, Gronk, and Belichick. Yeah. Very similar teams. Always went to the conference championship game. Won a bunch of Super Bowls. Yes, this win for the Chiefs is really starting to put them in the conversation. Not for a dynasty. This is a dynasty. Mm -hmm. This is already a dynasty. But they're going to put them in the conversation of being compared to that Patriots dynasty, which a lot of people thought when it ended that we would never see something like that again. And little do we know, you know, only took a couple years. We got it again with the Chiefs. So, yeah, it's a dynasty. And – 
it's crazy that they won the championship this year because some people were saying this is this Chiefs team's just not good. We've said it a bunch of times on this show throughout the season. This team's just not good. But we've also mentioned throughout this playoff run, this is a defensive-led Chiefs team. Yes, when it came down to it, Patrick Mahomes showed up and he got the Super Bowl ring. He got his third MVP. But this, if they don't have this defense, now Spagnuolo, Steve Spagnuolo, defensive coordinator for the Chiefs, is now a four-time defensive corner Super Bowl champion. Not too many defensive corners go to a Super Bowls that many times. And for him to win it four times is pretty special. This was a Chiefs defense that will be remembered, obviously, by Patrick Holmes' third title. But it was most this whole season was about this defense, and they showed up when it mattered. They've been showing up all season long. And, yeah, it sucks on the other side, on the flip side of that. It's the Niners. Still haven't won a Super Bowl since the 90s. Uh-huh. 890s? Yeah. Yeah. And they're now 0-2 against the Chiefs in the last four years. Yeah. 0-3 in Super Bowls since I've been really paying attention. I mean, they're better than the Cowboys. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's just they still can't get over that hump and win a Super Bowl. So, so let's go with that route for the time being then. And, I was, and we'll circle back to the Chiefs. The 49ers at this point, to me anyway, I, I'm starting to struggle kind of whether we need to – like, do we take them seriously at this point? And it's weird because you mentioned, like, well, they aren't the Cowboys, but the same token, at the very least, you know, when it comes down to it, they have the same amount of stuff mm-hmm. to take home yeah. since the mid-'90s mark, right? So – I think it's a little bit different. I think in the moment, like, even I was on the board, like, the Shanahan dump train. And I, it's a little bit different this time around. Like, I I don't know if he was inherently sitting on the ball necessarily or something like that. But, um, you know, the problems that, that I had worried about with the 49ers, I thought kind of came to fruition a little bit. Uh, you had Brock Purdy, who he did all right, you know, all things considered, but all right doesn't cut it in the Super Bowl. And, you know, moments where I feel like they wanted to maybe go downfield, they couldn't. And this is a 49er team that I I wouldn't say they're, like, at the crossroads necessarily. But they have to figure out at this point, you know, can you necessarily keep running it back with what they got? They start paying people. Too. Right. And that's the other part in this. And that's where, for me, I, I go back to this. It, it kind of starts at the quarterback thing, and it's very apparent that if you go based on their history, like Brock Purdy ain't the guy, you know. Uh, if it wasn't Garoppolo, if it wasn't Kaepernick, if it wasn't any of these guys, it ain't going to be him. So if you're the 49ers at this point, you know, if you're John Lynch, I guess, too, in this situation, you know, what what's your next move because – um, look, in a division that I don't necessarily think is necessarily getting better, but it's still a very competitive division. Look, the Seahawks are going to be competitive next year. I know they're bringing in a whole new staff, obviously, and everything, but um, they were enough to cause problems anyway for you the past couple of years. Uh, the Rams, uh, I guess they're actually the big question mark for me in that division next year only because of age and, mm-hmm. you know, where people kind of stand with that. The Cardinals are 
in theory on the up. Like, not sure what they're doing with Kyler. Yeah, but like. They, f- they had some things figured out by the end of the year, so you have to wonder to, to some degree, I suppose. You know, if you're the 49ers, I only see maybe next year being the year where you're probably still on top without having to do anything, at least to me anyway. Yeah, I mean, I can't remember what they said about Garoppolo and Kaepernick after those Super Bowl losses. Are they saying the same thing, like, this guy's the guy? We feel like he's the man. He's the quarterback. Um, I can't remember what they were saying about those two other I mean, 20, 2012 was such a long time ago. <laughs> but yeah. just the grapple one four years ago, I can't remember. But, you know, it's just – I think they need to go out and get a quarterback. They, I think uh, it's crazy to think – th- they just get – I think that's the biggest problem is they do go to the Super Bowl with these quarterbacks. Right. They fall in love with the Kaepernick. They fall in love with Garoppolo. They're starting to fall in love with Brock Purdy and not realizing that this isn't the guy. No. Because what are they going to do this offseason? They ain't going to go for a quarterback. They're going to stick with Brock Purdy. Yeah. And that's the biggest problem with the Niners. They need to realize that they don't have a quarterback. They need to go get one especially when they have to start paying these guys and if they're going to pay the right guys or they're going to let the wrong guys walk. They need to go get a quarterback, and I just know they're not going to. So I think – So so here's a name. Tough for the fan base. Kirk Cousins, is he fitting there at all, possibly? Because he's rumored to, to be – I don't know if that – More or less up. available, right? I think you've got like a Trevor Lawrence. Ooh. I think if you got him, then okay. they could take that next step to win a Super Bowl. Gotcha. That's interesting. I don't know. Is the question there is is Lawrence going to be available? Yeah, I know. I don't think he is. Kirk's going to be available. I just don't. You know, I don't know about Kirk. I don't know. I guess he was just more the hypothetical. He's the only one I know that will be yeah, yeah. probably available. Which Russell is, Wilson which won't is do dumb. it. Russell Wilson won't. No, do it. no, I don't think Russ. Justin Fields yeah. won't do it. No, no, none of those guys. I mean, unless you trade. And draft again, which is what they did in the past with Lance, and then they just gave up on him. So, yeah, I didn't get that. <laughs> no, still don't. I still don't. Yeah, I don't get why they gave up on him. And the Cowboys aren't going to use him, right? Trey Lance just sitting there. Yeah, interesting. But right. yeah, a guy like Trevor Lawrence would be interesting. I don't know if Jacksonville's sold on him. Mm-hmm. I think they are, but they're going to stick one at least next year. Um, I think if they ever got a guy like that, they could maybe put him over the top. <sighs> yeah, just enough to make this offense, which is already great offense, into an elite offense, one of the best offenses in the league. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Their defense, you know, Greenlaw might be might be out for a while. Yeah, that was that sucked to watch. see. Non completely non contact injury too. You know, it's not even like just getting ready to go out yeah. there. Yeah. Just falls over. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. The forty nine er future is gonna be interesting. Chiefs future also interesting for different reasons because think about how, think about what they won with on offense, and you know that they aren't going to allow what happened this year to happen next year. Do we see a three-peat? You know, I don't, I don't know. I think it's way too early to make that outright prediction, obviously. Oh, they could be bad. Uh, they were bad yeah, this year, yeah. and they still want it. I mean, it's always going to be a question until they're eliminated. Yeah. A, a three-peat will always stay there. And, yeah, they definitely can win it back as long as they're healthy. Defense stays as good as they were. Yeah. Sheesh. Sorry, I just saw some breaking news come across the uh, – What sport? 
college basketball. Interesting. You saw Chris Holtman got fired for Ohio State, right? I didn't see that. Yeah, so they fired him. And um, the buyout number just got released on his contract that they have to pay him. Twelve and a half million. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. This year? <laughs> I think for the rest of the contract. Wow. So, who do you think will get that job? I know we're deviating here, but. Ohio State. It was once a good job, man. Sean Miller? Yeah, I don't like what Sean Miller's done in his past, but uh, I can't believe he still got a job. <laughs> Will Wade's out there still coaching, so if you think that's, you no, know. There's a, there's a lot of bad ones yeah. still out there coaching. Yeah. But Chris Beard. <laughs> they need a big name. Ohio State basketball yeah. has not done – they haven't done anything in forever. No. No. Eh, who knows? That remains to be seen. Twelve and a half for Holtman to be bought out. Yeah. Makes you wonder what that Juwan Howard – Buyout might be. That's coming up, soon, up too. Up in Ann Arbor. <laughs> All right, let's get back to it with the Chiefs. Sorry. One of those things that phone was well, going crazy there. So. A, I mean, we've talked about, enough about the game. I mean, but thoughts on the season? <laughs> well, <laughs> Was it a good season? Well, was it a good season? I, You're the backup quarterback once again. I, you know, I've said this for the past few years, and I, I do kind of feel it this way again. I don't know if it was actually like a good season. No. It was some bad games. There was a lot of bad football. A lot of bad. Tom Brady's and right, It just man. seems like it gets not like worse and worse, but we've been on this trajectory for a good bit now. I don't know. Like, and that's the thing. Like, I, I, I don't know, like, if it was a good season. Like, I don't think it was. It didn't feel good anyway, you know? It felt like um, we had more bad teams than good teams. Yeah. And – I think that's just a product of, like, all these guys now are just so good at what they do specifically that's, like, you know, there's the question of, like, in the NBA about, like, expanding the court. And in football, it's been that as well. And I I just don't see a way that you can, you know, under the current constraints, you know, if you're able to do that. So, you know, it's interesting because – you know, it's no secret. I love college football, right? And as much as I love it, I just love it because a lot of like the chicanery that happens. Like college, it's the same way. Like there, there wasn't like a ton of actual good football this year. Yeah. And I think it's just a, a bottom to the top issue with the sport as a whole. Like, you know, we've we've kind of not to say we've gotten through like concussions and the head injuries. They're still very prevalent. It should be still discussed and ever-evolving in the safety front. But, like, we got through that, and now, you know, the discussion is a lot about the lower part of the body, right, your legs and stuff like that because of this great turf versus natural debate, you know, and stuff like that. And Part of me makes me wonder, too, and I know this maybe isn't the exact question you prompted to me, is how much of the – ingestion we take as fans from other sources about football in affect our vision because for me like I'm not a big Pat McAfee guy for example and a lot of discussion obviously around him this year with like Aaron Rodgers a guy who I can't stand like how much of stuff like that is actually weighing the opinion of people when you ask the question of like what you think of the season this year 
And I do think maybe that clouds it a little bit. Like, I think it does it with me as well to a degree. You know, I don't think it was as bad a season as we've had in all honesty the past couple of years. But I definitely don't think it was good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I still sit back and I think about, and I guess it's going to be a little bit of old man yells at cloud type thing, but I think of back, you know, like 10, 12 years ago when you had both Mannings and Brady's and stuff like that, and they were all still playing. But, like, it, it just felt like the quality was better back then for whatever reason. Like, you know, I don't know if it was still, you know, you could get hit, but there were still, like, penalties for, you know, stuff above the shoulders and stuff like that or whatever. I don't know, but it just felt like the quality back then was just better. And, I, again, maybe that's just the combination of, like, everything I kind of just brought up where it was just a little bit less of everything and you, you left a little bit more because I'm I'm sure, like, there, the games back then, there was probably a lot that were miserably bad. Like, I'm sure there was. It's just that, you know, my, my brain struggles to remember because, like, even, like, the bad games. I remember the first ever NFL game I went to was a Jaguars at Bills game in 2013 in December. And it was a freaking blizzard at this game. And it was miserably bad. Like, awful football. And yet, for whatever reason, it just sticks out as, like, a dumb, fun memory for me for the most part outside of seeing a guy pee in a sink. But, like, like think about it. Like, the football there was just bad. You know it was going to be bad in good conditions because who the hell knows who was – I can't remember who was quarterbacking for Jacksonville at that time. But I know who was quarterbacking for Buffalo, E.J. Manuel, who, like, I still have stock in E.J. Manuel. But, like, those teams for the Bills were bad. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. they were bad. Yep. And they were playing bad football, you know. So, I, I don't know. Maybe it's just a thing where we just get older and more cognizant of it where it's like, God, this is bad. <laughs> like, and you just kind of move on because life is life and football is football. Yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot of bad football. I mean, Tampa Bay clinched division in the last week of the regular season. Yeah. Winning 9 to nothing. Like, with a 9 and 8 record. <laughs> yeah, with a 9 and 8 record. Like, this is supposed to be – your big win, nine nothing was the right. final score. Yeah, terrible. And you're like, oh my god, I'm scared of that team. And they end up winning a playoff game. Yeah, and could have, they really took the Lions to the water. Probably should have had that game too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's you notice it really in college basketball, but a lot of sports, and we know saw with the Diamondbacks. It's probably the wrong sport. I'll disagree with you on college basketball, but I wasn't done with my statement yet. Do you know what I was gonna say? No. I said, it's getting more and more in these sports. If you just get in the playoffs, you can have a shot. To oh, win the sure. Obviously, college, I guess. college basketball, you're noticing that a lot. But baseball, you saw with the Diamondbacks. But it's that more so just the money grab element of it where we just have more teams getting into the playoffs because we expand the pool out than anything else. True. But I'm just saying, hypothetically. You know, I just – the teams are getting so much more even is what I'm trying to say. Right. It's not like – look at the Chiefs. I mean, they won the Super Bowl this year. They were definitely not the best team this year in the regular season. I mean, it was probably the Ravens and the Niners. But they still won the championship. That's all that people remember is winning the championship. So, I don't know. The teams are getting even. I don't know if they're getting worse. The teams are getting worse or they're getting better. Right. The games in football were not great this year. And it was like the halftime show. It was just, eh, 
Average. Yeah, we, you know what, I know you didn't want to talk about the Super Bowl, but that's the one thing we haven't talked about it yet. And I do not, okay, this is going to be, I think, a little bit of a hot take for people our age, in our demographic, if you will, the millennial. Was, I wasn't a fan overall halftime show. of the halftime show. Um, look, if you were here last week. Better than the commercials, maybe. Well, I have a different take about the commercials. You liked it. That we can, No. <laughs> well, circle back to the commercial thing here in a second. If you were here last week, obviously you know I, I even outright said like I don't know if I could name an Usher song. To be fair, mm-hmm. um, I I just I don't know, and I think <laughs> maybe part of it was like even though like I knew like going in like they're starting to target our demographic on these halftime shows, right? Where you know, 10, 12 years ago, it was kind of our parents. They were kind of targeting a little bit more still, right? Your, your Who's, your Tom Petty's, your Prince's, your, you know, go on and on a little bit there. Um, you know, I guess going back a little bit to, like, the Bruno Mars to the weekend, Rihanna last year, see this year with Usher, maybe a little bit to a degree with the L.A. Super Show, as I call it, in 21, but or 22, apologize. Kind of crazy to think about that. Uh, it's it's one of those things where was it makes you wonder a little bit, like, was Usher actually all that good? And he's a good musician, a good artist, but um, just I didn't think he performed well. A lot of guest stars. Um, yeah. Uh, again, I, I've said this to a couple people. I'm a <laughs> sucker for live piano, so I was loving the Alicia Keys stuff. Uh, until she was out of tune and out of note <laughs> uh, singing. But uh, it's whatever. And then, uh, obviously, Ludacris and Lil John there at the end. But, um, yeah, I just was not – I was not impressed <laughs> with the halftime show, to put it that way. Yeah, it was, it was all right. I mean, I'm not the hugest Usher fan either, but it's not the worst. I mean, it's better than Maroon 5, Travis Scott one. That one, sure. was, that one was bad. Yeah. Like, bad, bad. Yeah. Um, about Lady Gaga jumping through the roof? <laughs> oh, Lady Gaga's my favorite. That's my <laughs> really? Favorite. That's my favorite halftime. I My favorite halftime, and I think it's a bit of a hot take one, I liked The weekend. That was a good one. I really did like The weekend, And I know yeah. it was tough because of the COVID year. That was 21. But, like, I thought he did pretty good. I liked it. I, I mean, I know apparently I'm in the very minority of that for on the way it sounded. So Yeah, it was a tough COVID year. Um but Lady Gaga was my favorite. Just I did like the LA Super Show as well, but here no there. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was all right. <laughs> Usher and that one, they're about the same. All right, so before we move on, you did bring up the commercials. My hot take about the Super commercials is this. I've realized this over the course of the past couple of years. I don't necessarily think the commercials have jumped the shark, the Super Bowl commercial ideas jumped the shark. I just think people's expectations are so to a point with these that in such a viral era that, like, they just can't recognize, like, at least a good commercial when they see it at this point kind of deal. Like, I didn't think the commercials were bad. I also didn't think they were, like, great, but I didn't think they were bad. Like, mm-hmm. and also, when you talk about specific ones, like, say, like, the Timu ones where people are like, They're, those are weird, those are bad, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't matter. You're doing them the exact thing they want you to do and talk about it. Like, so I don't know. I just think for me, 
the the commercial thing like you could release a really good one Omer the time of year now and it's gonna be a hit because like just the way the internet is and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that so um I, haven't I seen mean the, I still haven't seen the Ross and I mean the the scoop there it is wasn't even a technical Super Bowl commercial that year I think they released it like a month before and it just got viral because it was, they just had a, like a longer version during the Super Bowl like, that happens a lot. Yeah, so I, I think people about the commercial thing need to calm down. That's the trailer ones are good. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought the best ones were the movie trailers this year, and I I don't know if that's just me, like me and you and Matt being movie movie buffs, and we just kind of look forward to those because we know they're gonna be coming and and everything like that. But I, yeah, I mean I I don't know. It's it's. I don't think strange. Again, I think they fall into the same category. Like I go back and watch like the Ford versus Ferrari trailer, and that came out what four years ago, five years ago now. Like, <laughs> it's just one of those things where if it's just a quality thing, you look back on it anyway and be like, "Damn, that was really good," and you kind of yeah. keep it moving. So, yeah, commercials were eh. They're all right. They, they, you know, they've been like a steady pace for the last few years. They've obviously taken a decline. Yeah, but. <coughs> You know, there's some good ones. There's some bad ones. Some corny ones. There's always corny ones. So, I mean, I still haven't seen the Ross and Rachel one. I was up peeing or something. Missed it. Uh, but I did like uh, like the Paramount Plus one. Yeah. Well, and that, again, that one came out like a week before. Like, yeah. it started doing the circulation on it. So it's, hey, Arnold, yeah. shout out. Right. Yeah. I, uh. They were all right. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, let's move on here. Uh, baseball pitchers and catchers report. Obviously, this is not our baseball preview episode by a long shot, but uh, it's always interesting to kind of talk a little bit about pitchers and catchers reporting because uh, we still have a number of really good free agents out there. <coughs> um, Blake Stell and Jordan Montgomery are kind of the main two now. I mean, Jorge Soler signed at the quote-unquote 11th hour of spring training about to start with the Giants a couple days ago at this point. They haven't so. had a 30-homer guy since 2004, Barry Bonds. Crazy. crazy. They haven't had a righty 30-homer guy since 2002, Jeff Kent. Right. That's insane. Yeah. That ballpark is huge. Yeah, I mean, it's not a true hitter's park. Definitely leans on being a pitcher's park despite the weird <laughs> – yeah. Oracle I want to go to so bad in the worst way. but That Royals park, though. Yeah, the renderings of that look awesome. It looks insane. Same with the White Sox ones I got released two weeks ago now, I think it is. Did you see those? No, I haven't. Really good. White Definitely Sox? take a look. Yeah. Downtown. Pretty much downtown Chicago. Closer to Cubs? Uh, they'd be they'd be closer to downtown than the Cubs would be, yeah. Wow. I think technically the White Sox might be closer to downtown than the Cubs anyway, as is. I could be off, though, with that. Don't quote me. Anyway, baseball pitchers and catchers report. Uh Started last week with the Dodgers and the Padres because they go to Korea for the opening series in Seoul. Uh, I believe it's, what, the 20th and 21st of March or something like that? 6 a.m., yeah. first pitch. But uh, it's always exciting because you always get to see all, you know, off the bat the new faces and new places and, and stuff like that. Uh, Otani took it easy during his first round of BP. Um, Betts is taking it easy. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of crazy. I know they but. love Otani, but I didn't get overhyped about him hitting ten home runs in twenty-one pitches. Mm -hmm. Like, it's home, it's batting practice. That's what you're supposed to do. Hit home runs, and he went under. He went under fifty percent. 
I mean, I don't get that. It's like a home run derby. Yeah. But, I mean, it's good for him. Good to see him back. So, the interesting part here with all the stuff, right, is the fact that um, pitchers and catchers report up front before the position players, but we're always at a point now where I don't think many people probably – well, I'm sure a lot of people do know this, but people kind of forget. Um, pitchers and catching – Report day is usually the last day that anybody is really supposed to be there <laughs> type deal. Kind of one of those written into the contract type things and everything else is kind of a unionized deal. So everybody's pretty much there. Now, you know, today and yesterday and stuff like that, you're starting to see the clips kind of come out and stuff like that. And it's going to be pretty exciting, um, you know, to kind of see out of each camp, you know, the young guys who kind of stand out. Know, which <laughs> I always chuckle like which of the journeymen get released and then end up making a run with another team later on in the year. So that always tends to be the case a little bit. Um, we are, I believe, nine days away from first games, maybe. Actually, it's probably a little bit longer than that, technically. But Next Thursday. Is it next Thursday? So eight days. Apologize. My math is bad. What's your expectation for spring training this year? Because there's no World Baseball Classic to deal with this year. Um, no Olympics to deal with this year. And I say that because uh, it won't be this year that they deal with it because the summer games are this year. But it's going to be interesting to see. So we'll sprinkle a little bit of a thing here for the folks. You know in 2028, it's more than likely we will have a pause in the Major League Baseball season for the Olympics. Manfred wants to have uh, the players participate. That'd be cool. So, and I think it will help that 2028's state side for the summer games. So, that'd be cool. That will probably help. But either way. So expectations for spring training for you for for Major League Baseball this year. I will tell you, uh, Olympics only two weeks anyway, right? Two weeks. So uh, it's not like it's not for like sport, kind of. Yeah. It's not like week. You're not taking too much out. But anyway, spring training. I hate to. Say I love anything Manfred does, but I love what he's done with this year's spring training. Uh-huh. Uh, the spring showcase is one week. Yep. Three days, I believe. Yep. And it's every team's uh-huh. top prospects. Yep. A team goes against another team's top prospects, so that will be cool to watch. Hats off, you know, putting the Orioles against the Pirates. I think Paul Skeens versus Jackson Holiday will be must-see TV to kick off that, that week there. That weekend, um, so it's gonna, it's you're gonna, spring training's gonna fly by if you're a diehard baseball fan like we are, because you got that going on that week, then you got the Dodgers Padres playing regular season games the next week, and then it's opening day. So that's the final three weeks of spring training right yeah. there in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're talking two weeks yeah. of games. They also have the college showcase as well this weekend that they do out in Arizona. Right. They do. Mm-hmm. So they have a lot of stuff to keep you interest in the sport yeah. as, you know, the spring training schedule. So I like, you know, an, under, on. And an underrated part of spring training, too, that you you kind of alluded to but not, not, not fully is the fact that this is really when you get a lot of, like, players being, I'd say, more open, you know, during the games. Like, when you get the broadcast, like, players are always usually a little bit more – I don't want to say, like, more loose, but they're more willing to kind of just talk about different stuff, like mid, mid-game. mid Like, we had uh, the pre-pandemic, uh, the uh, Freddie Freeman pickle incident. 
uh, <laughs> there's there's Wind Boys yeah. on that one. I was like, I have the shirt of that actually. Funnily enough, so uh, it's always cool. It's always interesting to kind of see what happens. I think the Potters Dodgers got a really weird schedule. Yeah. One. Yeah. I saw the Potters schedule. I don't know about the Dodgers, but the Potters, they play two weeks of spring training and then it's over. It's they're done in Arizona. Then they go to Korea for a week. Right. They play two exhibition Korean games. Then they play the Dodgers in regular season games in yeah. Korea. While they're over in Korea, their prospects are actually playing a game against the Mariners' prospects. Mm-hmm. But then they play the two Dodger games. Then they come back and play two exhibition games at Petco Park against the Mariners. Yeah. And then they go into the regular season. Weird schedule, but that's what they're dealing with. I just don't get why – so, like, they do the London series game, and that's two games. And I know it's a little bit different hours-wise, just distance. That helps a little bit. But, like, the teams that go to that have a day off in front and a day off behind for travel. Like, why don't you just kind of figure it out something to do with Wade, too, with that? Like, a whole more or less ten days before everything else is kind of crazy yeah. to me anyway. I don't know. I find it really yeah. weird that they do that. But it's cool that they do it. Yeah. Can't they do it in the middle of the season? That's what I was kind of like. Why has it got to be a week before the season starts? Yeah. They do it with the Japan, when they go to Japan, too. They haven't done the Japan thing in a while, though. 2019. Pre-pandemic. Right. That's what I'm saying. It's it's been – And even then, there was a pretty sizable gap from that Japan series back to the the one prior to that. That was cool. That one in 2019 with Ichiro. That was his last games. Because he got a hit. No, looking forward to it. Always – Pitcher and catcher report is just a, it's just a reason to get excited about baseball. It doesn't really mean anything to us as a fan, but it'd be something if we lived down there in Florida and Arizona. That'd be pretty oh, yeah. cool. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember going to spring training at the Yankees complex when we would go on vacation down in Tampa. And it, it, Florida's a little bit not tougher, but Florida's way more of an interesting beast because the sites are just more spread out through the state, even though they're kind of all like the spots are – kind of blocked together like the Tampa Bay area there's a handful the east coast along closer to Miami has a few there's a couple more spread out like I guess it depends where you want to classify Bradenton <laughs> so you've been to for a spring, example spend but, a spring training game yeah yeah I've always wanted to go to one well not game we've been to like the practices no. and stuff I've always wanted to go cool. to spring training game yeah. probably got like a minor league feel to it but you got major league players out there yeah. so it's probably so relaxed too yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, it definitely is. All right. Speaking of relax, last thing to touch on, NASCAR starts. I mean, quite frankly, today they have Daytona 500 qualifying tonight, Wednesday night, but the racing gets going officially Friday night with the Truck Series. Arkansas Don't forget about the duels. Well, the duels are tomorrow, Thursday night, correct. Yes. So, my bad. But Daytona 500, obviously, on Sunday. Looking forward to it. Do have some notes here. I, I went kind of rogue this year. Uh, because I want to spend a couple minutes on this, if I could, Nick, if you don't mind. So, um, you making NASCAR picks this year, and we keep track? Uh, I don't know if we wanted to, but we could if we really wanted to. I suppose we get you. Oh, you'll make your pick today. That's true. We also didn't update it, but I did win the NFL oh, yeah. contest this year. Somehow I came from behind after my own that clerical game, error. That's right. <laughs> uh, and that game was low scoring, and yeah. you got the over by one point, right? I did. 47? Yeah. Well, you said 50. I said 42. Yeah. So. We did it, though. We were that we close away from a tie. Yep. 
Okay, so um, trucks. I want to start with the trucks for Friday night. Uh, and the trucks in the Xfinity Series, which runs on Saturday, um, your lower divisions, both have, both have become crossroads of driver development and veteran guys still racing full-time in the series. Yeah. Um, both series, and it's interesting when I always hear about the health of a series in racing because uh, it could go different ways. If you're looking at it from a numbers count, um, at least going into Daytona, both are healthy in terms of the equipment. Not too, too sure. But in terms of driver help and full-time, I think it's pretty good. So starting trucks, uh, they have 38 trucks entered for the race on Friday night. Uh, that number actually will go up to 39, uh, I believe, anyway, if uh, the one announcement from yesterday is correct. But uh, there are 25 drivers going for points this year in the truck series, and that's pretty pretty stout yeah. um, for 12 playoff spots, obviously. That's pretty good. Um, or no, they're 10. I apologize. They're 10 playoff spots. So 25 for 10 is pretty good. Um, it'll be interesting to kind of see how that fluctuates throughout the year. Um, Who's the favorite? Yeah, it, it's interesting this year. I, I don't know if I can pinpoint an exact favorite in the trucks this year. And I, and I always say that because of the way last year kind of played out. I think it's going to be similar to this year. Uh, if you asked me last year going into the playoffs, the favorite was Corey Heim. Just killed it in the regular season. And playoffs came around and – through some of his own faults, some not of his own fault, just kind of laid an egg and, and didn't didn't produce in the championship race. Um, in fact, he struggled round and round, it felt like. So um, it'll be interesting. I I think this is a little bit of like a homerish pick for me. I believe Ty Majeski wins the championship this year driving for Thor Sport. And what I mean by homer pick, he's not from around here, uh, but it's a name from – he's from Wisconsin – uh, I have family from Wisconsin. My mom's from Wisconsin, so uh, I know a little bit of the short track background. He's from the short tracks up there, uh, has won at Slinger, won at Madison, all these really renowned Midwest short tracks. Uh, now full-time in trucks for I think it's the third straight year, former Ford top prospect, uh, technically still with Ford, even though uh, he drove Toyotas one year with Thor Sport. But uh, I think he wins a championship this year. Um, my pick for the Friday night truck race, though, um, the team is a dark horse. The driver isn't, and that's Grant Infinger. He's with a new team this year. His team last year in GMS shut down their truck operation. They're focusing full-time on their stuff with Legacy MC on the cup side of things now. So, Have they done qualifying? Uh, no, qualifying will be Friday for them. Or No, I think qualifying for them is actually tomorrow. Either way. Uh, the team he's with now, CR7. Motorsports, uh, they bought a bunch of the old GMS equipment. In fact, his crew chief, Jeff Stangowitz, was with him last year at GMS, so I think they get all out and they get the win. Grant's a really good driver on this plate tracks. Does really well, so I think that's the case there. A couple dark horse guys to keep an eye on for truck this year, uh, even though I don't think they're dark horse. But Nick Sanchez, uh, second full-time year. Uh, he's running back with Rev Racing through Spire Motorsports. Uh, same with Roger Carruth, he's with Spire. Uh, Stuart Friesen, a little bit of a local guy, even though he's on the Canadian side of things, but a Northeast Dirt guy. Keep an eye on him. Kind of a make-or-break-ish year, I'd say, for the team as a whole. I've heard and seen some rumors about the the health of that organization, so it'll be pretty interesting to see there. 
Um, now, you aren't going to recognize the name, Nick, but it's a name from my from our age group of NASCAR fans. Uh, Lane Riggs, that's Scott Riggs' son. He's racing full-time for the first time in trucks this year with a really good front-row motorsports team. It's a team that Zane Smith drove for in the past. He's now full-time in Cup. Uh, but Ben Rhodes also, Chase Purdy, uh, a lot of kind of usual suspects. The Gray brothers, Christian Eckes with McAnally Helgman, um, Corey Hyde as well, Jake Garcia. There, there's a number of guys in trucks to keep an eye on this year. Uh, Xfinity is the place where it gets really exciting, I say. Uh, 27 full-time drivers uh, this year on that side. First time in a while that list has kind of been that deep with the equipment that they got. 12 in the Xfinity series, so 27 for 12 <coughs> is, is pretty good. Um, and it's going to be a really interesting year in Xfinity. Uh, Shane Van Gisbergen, uh, now that's a name that I know you probably don't know. He won the cup race at Chicago last year, the Australian V8 supercar legend. Now full-time in NASCAR. Okay. Now full-time in NASCAR. Run the full Xfinity Series slate with Colleg Racing. Uh, be interested to see how well he does. He's technically not even on the entry list for Daytona for the Xfinity Series yet because he has to run the ARCA race on Saturday before the Xfinity race to be approved for the Xfinity race. Wow. Make it make sense, right? <laughs> but Are they doing the Chicago Street race again? Yep, they're doing Chicago again this year. So, uh, But, yeah, the Xfinity Series, it's a deep field this year, the Xfinity Series. It really is a deep field with the equipment at a spot where I feel it's better than the truck series in terms of that. Um, I mean, just off – and this is just – your first three numerically I'm talking about here, double zero co-custer, one of Sam Mayer, and two of Jesse Love. Like, those are all three guys who, in theory, I see in Phoenix in the championship race. And those are just the three numerically on the roster sheet for the race. So it, it's one of those things where it's it's crazy looking at the expanded list this year um, going into Daytona. Uh, for them – I, again, this is a pick I've made now the past couple of years. I, I, he, I, I think I might just be willing it into existence at this point. Justin Algaron picking as my champion in the Xfinity Series. My God, he deserves it, but I don't know. It's one of those things where I keep picking him, but I don't know if it's actually going to happen. Who's winning on Saturday? I'm going with Parker Klingerman. I, I don't know if it's necessarily a dark horse pick, but the big machine racing crew, um, they run out of the RCR side of things. Parker's a really good plate racer. He's won the plate tracks with uh, the truck series, Henderson Motorsports. Uh, he's very good. I think he could actually make a run this year potentially at the championship if things kind of go right for him. But they were right on the doorstep towards the tail end of last year. They got into the playoffs. I think he's able to get the win on Who wins Saturday. the Arca race on Saturday? Uh, yeah, that entry list, I don't know. Probably one of the Venturini Motorsports cars. <laughs> Frankie Munez? Frankie's running the Xfinity race, actually. Really? Yep. So he's running for Joey Gase uh, racing on that side. So be interesting. And I think he's locked in. I think they have the owner's points locked in for him. So he'll be racing no matter what. Nice. Cup side of things, Nick. Uh, for the most part, kind of the same as last year. Kevin Harvick retired. That's the main storyline. Josh Berry up from JR Motorsports to Stuart Haas Racing. Uh, switch over from Chevy to Ford there. But that's really kind of the big storyline, I'd say, there out in terms of actual driver stuff. Um, I'd say the only other major change, I'd say, was probably Legacy MC going from Chevrolet to Toyota. Um, so um, bring you up on for this one, too, as well, Nick. Uh, you know, it's going to be interesting for the 500. Uh, it's usually 
Again, a little bit more of a wide open type race. Um, Jimmy Johnson in it? Jimmy Johnson is running in the Daytona 500 this year. Technically an open car. Um, he doesn't technically have the past champions provisional to fall back on, but 42 cars going for 40 spots. I would think that that 84 car is going to be safe to get into the show. Uh, that would be my guess anyway. Why 40? He used to do 42. He used to do 43, but it, it was just one of those things a few years ago that they made the switch because it could help free up some prize pool money and stuff like that. And um, Yeah, I mean, even then, this is further proof of it, though, that like even if they had 43 spots, they don't have 43 cars. So, yeah. It's a double-edged sword. He's running for Legacy. Yep, and the team that he owns, Legacy MC. So um, who's your pick for the Daytona 500 on Sunday? Oh, man. Um, I'd like to have known who's, what, the, what the poll is. You know, with well, I mean, We don't know that until about 10 o'clock tonight. <laughs> well, I'm just going to hang around here. So, uh, <laughs> Good luck. Uh, I, I won't be here, but you can be here. <laughs> my pick to win a Daytona 500 is... Hmm. I didn't think this question was coming, so I'm gonna have to think about it. Um You want me to go first for you? Yeah, go first. I don't care. I'm taking my man Bubba Wallace. What would that mean to you? I'd be going crazy. I might get a noise violation. I'd <laughs> be an interesting pick. I mean, it, it's funny to me because um it's one of those things as we've gotten older now, it's you look around and there's a lot more people doing things and the stuff you love that, that are your age. You know, even 10 years ago, I would probably have never thought a million years that, like, people our age would be doing what they're kind of doing at the levels that they're doing it in these sports, right? But, um, yeah, for, for me, following a guy like Bubba, you know, Ryan Blaney as well at this point, Chase Elliott, you know, the guys who, uh, when I looked up at a screen in college – and seeing that, you know, I'm 19 in college and they're 19 and they're running the Xfinity series together at the time, you know, I'd be, I'd, and then you do more research on it. I was like, oh, there's a lot of similar interests and you feel similarly about, you know, our friend group is a lot like their friend group. And it's kind of like, damn, like that's actually kind of cool in a way. So it would, it would mean a lot, I think, you know, I don't know if I'd cry or anything like that, but, uh, you know, but probably been more so if Gordon won the title his final year in 15, I might have cried. I don't know about now, but it would definitely be a pretty pretty awesome moment. I mean, I remember when Bubba got like, his first win, for example. I was like, damn, like that was like, all right. He's getting better and better, too. Best year was last year, even though he didn't have a win. So. Him and Tyler Reddick? Yeah. Expecting a big race, but uh, I'm going to go with Joey Logano. Oh, you're going with Logano. Okay. But to win the points championship this year. Yeah. Um, in the points championship, I'm gonna go with a uh, with a local guy. Won the Watkins Watkins race last year. William Byron. He's, he's not at all local. <laughs> His crew chief is local. From Rudy, Ru where's Rudy Frugal, Frugal from? Livonia. Is he really? Yeah. I don't know if I knew that. Livonia, New York. I'm out of Bulldogs. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that that's the local part. But William Byron's gonna win the championship this year. All right. You know I'm big. I'm really starting to become a Chase Elliott fan, though. Really? Mm -hmm. I think that's my guy. Interesting. Carl Edwards is gone, so I, I got to fix it. So, we'll, I'll say it on air. I bet you Carl Edwards runs a race or two this year at the Cup Series. I'd love to see it. 
I'm I'm willing to put money on it being the betting man that I am. I think Kyle Busch, Brad Kozlowski could be on the way out. They haven't heard much uh, about them lately, but what do you mean? No, they don't win much. Kyle won a couple races last year. Yeah, but where's he's supposed to be like one of the great, the best drivers, but he's just not anymore. Okay. Uh, my driver, champ, like that, boys, anyway. my driver champion pick, by the way, and for the NASCAR people, this will definitely piss them off. I'm on Denny Hamlin. I think it finally happens this year, and um, I used to not really be a Denny guy. Obviously, he owns a team that Bubba drives for, so I've come more around to him. And um, you know, I don't know what I kind of like the fact that he, unlike some other drivers who are in fact heels of the sport who don't enjoy the heel thing. It seems like he actually enjoys and leans into it. Uh, the fact, and I'm upset that he retired it, but the fact that I loved, I loved when he got out of the car the couple times he's won at Bristol and the Coliseum, I beat your favorite driver. Which one? All of them. That's just such a badass thing to just kind of say. I like his pizza reviews. Pizza reviews? Yeah, you ever watched, you ever watched Denny Hamlin on Instagram? <laughs> he does pizza reviews like Dave Portnoy on uh, Barstool. Well, give him a click once. I don't in think I follow Denny on Instagram. I don't think about it. I think should. I've seen a couple. Probably should. But uh, it's hard to go against Kyle Larson, though. Yeah. He uh, he's one of the best in the game. We'll see about that. We'll see about Who's how the long. He does. Ryan Blaney. Ryan Blaney. YRB. Yeah, I don't know if he can win it again. Wow, no faith in Menards, huh? I don't so. know. Martin Truex, he's getting old. Yep. We'll see. We definitely will. So uh, that will do for Fresh Takes then today. Uh, we will be back again next Wednesday. We'll do this all over again. We'll preview we're extensively Atlanta race weekend. No. Um, <laughs> but uh, we'll be through the NBA All-Star break. We'll talk about that. Um, the NHL trade deadline also is lingering at this point. So if there's anything major that happens there, we'll, we'll probably touch on that as well. Selection Sunday ain't that far um, Selection Sunday is still uh, pretty much a month away. <laughs> for all intents and purposes. So uh, don't know what we'll talk about really next week, but I'm sure we'll come up with something. Tiger, uh, maybe wins the tournament. Maybe Tiger, yeah, sure, sure, why not. Uh, who are you shouting out today, Nick? Uh, Valentine's Day, it's uh, also my friend Marquise Patterson. Okay, I didn't know where you are going admittedly with that <laughs> off the bat, the way you teed it up. <laughs> I'm like, is there somebody I don't know about? <laughs> uh, well, Valentine's Day is their birthday. Marquise Patterson, uh, Q, happy birthday, Q. Also, double shout-out. My cousin Nick Rossani's birthday is today as well. Oh, wow. Shout out Nick. Happy birthdays to the to the fellows. Valentine's Day birthday. I don't know about that. Welcome into the Paul Russo History Hour about St. <laughs> Valentine's Day. No, won't do that to the folks. But what I will do is remind you to stick around for next Wednesday. Like, share, subscribe, all the fun stuff. We'll talk with everybody then. Enjoy the week, everybody. Yeah.